Welcome. Thanks for joining us today on the Venture Podcast. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you along your journey. Well, good morning, Venture. It's great to see you. Absolutely. Um, Hey, before I get going, I want to introduce someone really special that really is at the heart of everything I've ever had a chance to do in my life. And I will embarrass her. Teresa, will you stand up so we could thank you? Yes. And next to her is a young man I'm really proud of. He's uh, one of my grandsons. His name is Noah. Amazing young guy. Uh, I want to start out, even before we jump in, I I just can't tell you what a joy it is to be, to see what God has done the last five years here at Venture. Uh, A a special shout out to the elders here um, and Daniel Downey. Uh, He asked me to go to some conference in Malta that changed the course of my life. And while we were there and speaking to the Arab world, God spoke to my wife very clearly, then to me, then to the elders. And a lot of people ask me, so what have you been doing since you retired? You know, I'll be in Costco and someone will say, have you moved back from China? (laughs) Well, I never moved to China. Or uh, what do you do with all your spare time? And uh, so I have a little video to let you know what we've been doing in our spare time and what God's called us to do. And, And literally, as you watch this, None of it could have ever happened apart from the nine plus years we had together, the privilege to get to be a part of this church. And I could not be more thrilled with the leadership and the the privilege that Tim has allowed me to come. I am so excited about what God is doing. Watch this and then we'll jump into James chapter one. Dr. Andrea Zaki the president of the Protestant churches of Egypt, has invited Chip to Cairo to speak at his conference, the largest gathering of evangelical pastors in the history of Egypt. As they talked, God's faithfulness was evident as these two reminisced on how an incredible opportunity was birthed during a time of unprecedented crisis. The world shut down. It was a time of unbridled speculation and fear. Churches across the world were forced to close their doors. Pastors were dealing with uncertainty and burnout, division in their congregations, financial trials, and for some, much more inconceivable realities. The pastors in India have been through a very harrowing time because of the pandemic. I've known four pastors personally who committed suicide during that time. When the churches were shut down, it it brought down a tremendous sense of fear. uh, When COVID came around, uh, many members uh, lost their jobs. And so because of that, the demands on him, both financial uh, and spiritual, have actually increased. They are under severe pressure and they are in depression. We are in the context of survival. The church struggle for survival. But even in the midst of dire challenges, God opened a door. It all began with a simple conversation among friends who were checking in on each other during the pandemic. A few months into the pandemic, it wasn't long, I got discouraged and after I got discouraged then, I saw a uh, picture of some things that were happening in Egypt and how difficult it was. And, and so I texted Dr. Andrea and said, hey, I saw this stuff on the news, you wanna do a Zoom call? And we did. Yeah. 
I was planning to have a, a Zoom call with the church leaders, and I thought that Pastor Chip, as a creative speaker, he will stimulate a lot of people to deal with the issue of the pandemic. And we had the conversation by the Zoom, and he asked me, what is the situation of the pastor? He goes, but I gotta tell you, the, the pastors are barely surviving. And it was just that phrase, I remember, you know, I'd been thinking, I said, you know, I'm actually thinking about a series, I'm gonna call it The Art of Survival. And he interrupts me and goes, well, send it to me. I said, no, you don't understand. I haven't made it yet, I'm just thinking about it. I spoke to Pastor Chip, and we together uh, developed the idea. James and, his and by that Friday, we had it in Egypt, and that led to this huge webinar. It was releasing for many of them to feel that there is hope on the time of darkness. In that moment, where we went from that conversation to training pastors digitally, we saw 10,000 plus pastors, 60 countries of the world during the first year or so of the pandemic. And as we were seeing this impact, we said, you know what, we need to prepare to go face to face with these leaders. And so we developed the training for, for pastors with Art of Survival. We began to reach out because we saw that in every one of these countries, there are Dr. Andrea Zaki's. From an ordained conversation, God has continued to open doors in every corner of the world. From China to the Middle East, to Southeast Asia, to Latin America, to India and Africa. The training was so wonderful. It was so good. How I wish that every pastor hears this message. Arte de la supervivencia fue una experiencia preciosa. We continue to hear the story of pastors on the verge of quitting. But because of this timely training, they have found renewed hope and commitment for the ministry they have been called to. These pastors tell us they are no longer going to quit. I'm telling you, the first difference is that I'm not giving up. We must survive. We must go on. We can't, we can't, we can't lose hope and we can't stop. We are going forward. Church leaders from all over the map are learning the art of survival as it has been translated into 27 languages. But they're also being equipped with how to lead their churches to thrive in the middle of extreme difficulty. Beyond that, we are seeing pastors training other pastors, creating significant ripple effects all around the world. Because these leaders have been challenged, we are all going back to train more 10 people, giving and passing the same message, 10 and beyond. And so we know that through that continuous training and sharing this wonderful message of the art of survival, we strongly believe that Uganda can never be the same again. God's biggest blessings are often birthed in brokenness. And it started with my own brokenness, then the brokenness of the churches in Egypt. And we were introduced to the leaders and the Dr. Andreas, first in India, and then in Africa, and then Central America, and then cities in Mexico. And it's, it's this ripple that just kept going and going and going. And what we saw was in about a year or so, 60,000 pastors on the ground in all these countries begin to meet together and walk through the art of survival. All around the world, pastors gathering and not giving up because they heard God's word and it's not over yet. 
What started as a simple phone call between two friends has become a global movement that is changing lives. After two years, I was impressed and surprised that the idea that we discussed via Zoom it became a book translated to several languages, million copies to China, and I became so proud. God used a pandemic to ultimately birth a movement. Because of this, we are asking for partners to join us in growing these efforts so that we may train over 170,000 pastors around the world in 2023. Thank you for sharing the art of survival. Would you partner with us? Yes. Um, this was obviously a, a video that we put together for our Living on the Edge partners. But since it was birthed out of here, I wanted to give you just a flyby of one of the big things that's happened. And I cannot even tell you, it's one thing to feel God move you, um, but to have elders that weren't simply, uh, oh, if, if that's what you think, they really aligned and said, Chip, we sense this is God's calling. We believe what he'll want you to do is gonna be absolutely critical. And so they, they did a transition that was absolutely perfect. And um, what a blessing. Yeah, thank you very, very much. Well, so guess what I'm gonna teach? Um, yes, those men, I've been all around the world. All those videos are of real people, of our teammates. All the testimonies were people that we've been partnering with the last three to five years. And um, the art of survival in an age of chaos. The A is for an attitude to embrace. The R is for a resource, resource to ask for. And the T talks about a theology or a way to think. It's from James chapter one. Uh, you, you will need your either phone or your Bible. I did put the, if you get the teaching notes, I put the passage there but uh, page 1199 in the Bible in front of you. And in James chapter one, the context you'll notice in your notes, there is a, uh, there's a group of people, does this sound familiar? They decide to follow Jesus. They've got a decade or two under their belt. They're following him. Most of the Christians are still living in Jerusalem. Acts chapter eight happens. There's a severe persecution and pretty soon these Jewish Christians are being spread across the Roman empire. Here's the bad news, they leave their business. Here's the other bad news, they don't have money because Jewish families did business together. Here's the worst bad news, if you were a follower of Jesus, that meant you said he's the Messiah and many of your family members would say, you're now disinherited. So they're relocated, they're persecuted physically for their life, they have economic distress, they have family and relational breakup and they find themselves out in the middle of nowhere. And so God speaks by his Holy Spirit to Jesus' half-brother and this is the very first book written in the New Testament. It's written between 45 and 49 AD. Now, if I saw people that I loved being persecuted and scattered and hurting, I think I would have written a book and this is why I didn't write it obviously, would be like, wow, I'm so sorry. This is so hard. I hope you make it. 
You know, but that's not what James writes, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Notice the text. After the introduction, he says, James, a bondservant of God, of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad. Command, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Why? Knowing the testing of your faith produces endurance. Second command, and allow or let endurance to have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I want to give a little context about difficulty and pain and suffering. Uh, Living in America, every culture, you can go to China, uh, you can go to the Middle East, every culture, we, we all bring our lens on the gospel. And we filter the gospel and the truth of God's word through our lens. And one of the lens of us independent Americans, we want life to be perfect and work out, is the one of the lens is if we love God, if we do what is right, and if God really loves us, then things should be smooth and positive and upward and to the right. The problem with that is it sets you up for very bad expectations because that is not what the Bible teaches. Peter would say in 1 Peter 4.12, why are you surprised at the fiery trial of the things that are happening to you? It was same season, intense persecution, under Nero, Christians killed, marched into Colosseums, wild dogs left on them, people beheaded. And Peter says, so what part of this shocks you? This is normal for followers of Jesus when this is God's calling in a world that's going this way that's fallen. Jesus, remember his final words that last night? In the world, this is a promise, you will have tribulation, be of good cheer. The issue is not that problems are gonna go away. The issue isn't that Christians aren't going to get cancer, that families won't be hit by someone going left of center when the guy was drunk. It won't be that the mate that you love at some point, sometime, something happens and they drift and you come home to a note on a refrigerator that says, I don't love you anymore and they're gone. It doesn't mean that difficult, painful things in the pandemic, I don't, I don't think I know anyone that hasn't lost someone who died prematurely. And if you think it was bad here, as we've traveled around the world, almost unimaginable. The pain that everyone, but especially God's people are going through. My point is trials are inevitable. They're going to happen. The apostle Paul would say in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter three, all those who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And so all I want to say is sort of that American veneer, you know, in extreme prosperity gospel, believe the right things, say the right things, read your Bible, give it a little money, try to be a nice person, and everything's going to be wonderful. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Life is hard. God is good. God is sovereign. He will give us all we need to get through it. At times he'll deliver us out of it. And sometimes he'll deliver us unto himself. The second is that trials either make you or break you. In challenging and difficult times, there are multitudes of people through this pandemic and through other things who they don't walk with God anymore. God, if this is the way it is, you didn't come through for me, I'm done. This is too hard. This is too painful. 
where they still believe in God and their hearts are filled with bitterness and resentment and hurt. And yet probably some of the greatest people that you and I know that love the most deeply, that have the greatest character, are people that have been through some of the most horrendous, painful, difficult times. They didn't give up. They didn't give in. It was excruciatingly painful and difficult and they didn't know, forget how they'd make it through tomorrow. How do I make it through just this hour? And as they did and went on that journey, the grace of God did something in their life and their character that's absolutely unexplainable. The third reality of trials is some people get stuck and never move beyond asking why. Why God? Why me? Why our family? Why, why did my business crater? Why, why when I saved up for retirement, <laughs> retirement, I'm working more than I ever had before, right? We all have all kinds of situations where, and it's fine to start and have a very deep, honest, semi-brief conversation for maybe a few days or a few weeks. Why God, why God, why God? I got news. He's not gonna answer that question for many of us until we get to heaven. And maybe not even then. I'm not sure it'll matter when we get there. But you get stuck. And so instead of asking why, I'm going to talk about three what questions you need to ask. You know, we all talk about thriving and I want to thrive. But until you survive, you can't thrive. And so as we look at this passage, let me break it down for you. First of all, there's an attitude to embrace. And the attitude in this passage is what? It's joyful endurance. He says, consider, by the way, this is not a feeling. This is, a, uh, this is an accounting term. This is someone that looks at a ledger. It's very intellectual. It's very pragmatic. It's very clear. It's someone pausing. Considering it all joy is not like, oh, I, I'm going to pretend that, you know, my best friend who died during the pandemic or my business that went under or my kids on drugs is, oh, yeah, wonderful. No, no. This is a consider, calculate, in view of a sovereign God, in view of a good God, in view of a reality of heaven, in view of his faithfulness in the past, consider it all joy. And then the word is when, not if, when you are surrounded. This is external by trials. When challenging, difficult, painful things come into your life that you can't control, he says there's an attitude. He says, I want you to consider it. You don't have to feel it. I want you to look at the big picture and get out of the overwhelming sense and the emotion and the hurt and at least step back and say, in light of who God is, in light of life is temporary and short, in light of what, then here's the reason. Consider it all joy knowing the testing of your faith produces endurance. Circle the word knowing in your notes. It's two words in the New Testament for knowing. One is a a knowing of facts. Two plus two is four. The other is a knowing by way of experience. That's this word. There's some of you that uh, have been through very painful, difficult times. Teresa and I have as well. Some are health, some are family, some are marriage, some are kids, some are betrayal. And we all would say, I never want to go through that again, right? But if you didn't give up and if you didn't give in, 
I could pass a microphone around and we could tell one another stories about how God used those challenges in our life to make us the people that we are today. And see, that's what he's saying. Consider it all joy, knowing the, the testing of your faith. That's what's being tested. But by the way, what you say you believe and what you think you believe may have little to do with what you actually believe. Let me tell you why. You never know what you actually believe until it's tested. How you respond to the adversity and the tests and the difficulties, your behavior and what you do will tell you, I really believe. And so there's lots of people intellectually, oh, I, I pray to prayer, I believe in Jesus, I love God, I think he's really good until God says, okay, here's a test. By the way, his goal for all of his children is that we all get an A on the test. He's not down on us, he's not punishing us, he wants us, but in a fallen world, trials are going to happen. And so he says, consider it all joy knowing that this testing of your faith is going to produce endurance. Put a box around the word endurance. The word is hupomeno, to be under stress or pressure. And, and then the second command is allow this endurance. In other words, don't give up, don't give in, don't whine, don't be bitter, don't blame. Let endurance have its perfecting result, underlying perfecting or perfect result, that you might be perfect, same word, lacking in nothing. That word perfect is teleos. We get our word telescope, or for you apologists, we get our argument, the teleological argument. It, perfect is not without sin. This is a word for a piece of fruit that is now ripe. It's the idea of something coming to the fulfillment of its absolute ideal design. So make a choice in the midst of your pain and your suffering to consider it joy. Emotionally, no. I'm going to choose to consider it unmitigated, pure joy that this is what I'm going through knowing that this test and this endurance that I'm under is going to do what a lot of you actually pay money for. Right? Some of you go to the gym, don't raise your hand. It'll embarrass all the rest of us. But some of you go to the gym and you put a bar like this and you do this and you do this and if you do it with a friend, you do one set, then you do another set, then you do a third set, and if you're like over the top, you have someone there and you're gonna do a fourth set, and as your legs are just ready to buckle, someone is spotting you, and what's happening is you're hupomeno, hupomeno. And you don't want to do the same exercise the next day because what is actually happening is you're getting small tears in your muscles. And so you do every other day and you drink some protein shakes and do all that kind of stuff, especially if you're a young guy and you want to wear those shirts without sleeves. <laughs> because what happens is when you tear those muscles and you give it 24 to 48 hours to rest, guess what happens? They fill in and they grow. Bigger muscles only happen when they go through the tearing and difficulty process. And people's character rarely, if ever, grows until we go through the difficult and painful processes of seeing God give us grace in the midst of our hurt and our loss and betrayals and financial things that go the opposite direction. And so he says, you consider it. It's an attitude, joyful endurance, knowing that God is going to make you and make me the people he wants us to be, 
the people we actually long to be. So here's three questions I always ask myself. And by the way, this is hard. You know, earlier in the service, Tricia talked about getting connected. I don't think anyone can do this by themselves. Because I consider it all joy a few days. Then about day number four, I'm just ticked off. <laughs> right? I don't want to consider it all joy. And you know what? When it really hurts, I feel a little better when I eat some food that I don't need. I can, I can binge, you know, for, you know, that show and before next show, then the next show, then the next show. And for some of you, you log on and watch things that you broke the habit. Now it's kind of back. For others, it's like, you know, I think I'll go shopping. And whatever we medicate and what we really don't want to do is let God do what he wants to do in us. What we do is the question is, how do I just get some relief? A little bit of relief in some benign ways aren't bad. But many of us have lives that are in bondage because instead of considering it all joy, we're just trying to get through it. Three questions I ask myself and I would consider for you too. One is, what can I control when my world fall, falls apart? What can you control? Only one thing, your attitude. Your attitude. It was Viktor Frankl who was in, uh, became a uh, world-renowned psychologist. He went through the Holocaust. And he has this great line. He said, the only people that made it through were the people who would not allow the Nazis and the circumstances to determine how they saw life. And we chose, you can't rob me of my attitude. No one can take that away from you. You choose. Someone said 90%, I'd say 98% of your life is not what happens to you. 98% is how you respond to what happens to you. And that's why you have victims and victors. An attitude. Second question is, what must I do to make it through today, right? Some of you, how do I just make it through today? You want to cry or you want to be mad or you want to blame. Here's one word, endure. Hupomena. And you say, well, I can't, I, I can't do this next year. God's not asking for next year. I can't do this for another week. You don't have to do it for another week. I can't even do it tomorrow. You don't have to do it tomorrow. I can't make it through the night. You don't have to make it through the night. Grace is not hypothetical. There's no grace. Right now, at this moment, I choose not to give up. I choose to endure. God help me. You get grace for right now. 10 minutes later, you get grace for that. A week later, you get grace for that. A month later, you get grace for that. And as you don't give up, God does something. Sometimes he dramatically delivers you out of it, and sometimes nothing changes but you. We, we, uh, we in person, we did 60,000 pastors in all those countries. And, and in, you know, we, we all have levels of arrogance, right? And I've got mine. There, there's part of me like say, you know, this, this is such amazing teaching, right? I mean, this, this is, <laughs> it's just a... It's 12 verses from James. You know where the real power was? We went all over the world and those pastors had not met with anyone where they could share their story. And, and yes, we spent a day with them and we would teach a little bit and then we got them in groups and they cried and they prayed. And they, many, many, the most common testimony was, I'm not gonna quit the ministry now. But it was they needed each other. 
They just needed someone else to lock arms to say, I won't give up, I won't give in. And, and, and you know what? How do I make it through today? You endure. Third question that I ask myself is what hope do I have for tomorrow? And the answer is, God has promised to take the worst that I'm experiencing today and use it for my good in all my tomorrows. God has promised to take the very worst in your marriage, the worst with one of your kids, the worst with the loneliness in your singleness, the worst in your cancer, the worst in your job situation. If you don't give up and you don't give in and you step back and say, I wanna leverage this. I'm going to allow endurance to do whatever it needs to do in my character, my attitude, my tongue, my relationships, my finances, whatever you wanna do in me, I'm in. He says, I will promise you, it's the Joseph story. Bad, 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 difficult, 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 betrayal, unfair, 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 unfair to get him here to do what changed the course of the world. And for you, it's to change the course of your world beginning with you. I have three practices, um, uh, pandemic, moment of honesty, uh, don't know if it would be helpful or not, but um, I got discouraged when the pandemic hit. I had my tickets on my way to China, so I couldn't do anything. Then I couldn't see my grandkids. And then I had like two days where I got depressed. You, you know what I mean? I mean, you know, like I wasn't down. I was like, it was dark. And, uh, and then I bolted to anger and I was really mad. And so here's my little practical. So when I you know, it wasn't like clinical depression. It was like really bad regular depression that you can stick in. And so uh, I have three things I do. Number one, I go get a workout as hard as I can, get as sweaty as I can. That's physical, endorphins, kick them in. Second, I find a private place where no one's around and I sing praises to God as loud as I can, uh, often defiantly, because I don't want to sing praises to God at all. But God inhabits the praises of his people and I'm making a choice. And the third is I try and find someone who's worse off than me and go serve them. And so I'm depressed, I do those two things. I'm looking for someone, I see it on the news about Egypt. This was birthed not by someone that had some great vision. Let's help the world and pastors. This was birthed by a guy that was so inwardly focused and so discouraged and so depressed, he just got on the line with some guy from Egypt. Amen. Because he was hurting worse than me. And when he said, I don't know if we're gonna survive, the Spirit of God clicked this thing that I was thinking and the rest is history. Second is R, a resource to ask for. Supernatural wisdom. Because see, what I just shared, if you're, if you're thinking, and hopefully you're thinking about your world and your struggle and the thing that bothers you and maybe what still you're mad about or the impossible, difficult relationship or circumstance. Okay, I'm gonna choose, right? I'm gonna consider it all joy, but I still don't know what to do. Should I start a different business? Should I change? Should I put my kids in a different school? Should I, you know, I've been single and I've tried this, so should I do this? Uh, uh, some of my friends went to Utah, Nevada, California, Oregon. I guess they didn't go to California, that'd just be relocating. But, but you know, right? What do you do? The practical part. And so in verse five, he says, but 
If any of you lack wisdom, and this is first book, so it's Hebrew wisdom. If you don't have the skill or the wisdom to know what to do, who to do it with, when to do it, and how, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. That's, that's the promise. And then here's, here's who God is. Let him ask of God who gives to all men generously and without reproach. In other words, see, some of our problems aren't the pandemic, they're not our boss, they're not our mate, we made them. I guess I, I, guess I don't have a testimony on that one, but I know you know that. And when you are the source of your problems because you did this or you did that or you made that decision or you have a private or secret sin, then you feel like I can't come to God. And this passage says, regardless of how you got there or I get there, consider it all joy knowing this process. And if you don't know what to do, ask of God who gives to, notice, you might circle the word all, all men and women generously, in other words, he wants to show you specifically, change schools, relocate, start a new business, stay here, do this, don't do that, reallocate your portfolio. He'll be very specific if you're willing, but here's the condition. But let him ask in faith without any doubting. And by the way, this isn't like I have doubts about God. This is a word about saying, uh, Lord, I want you to show me exactly what to do so that I can take that into proper consideration. Because I'm getting a lot of counsel right now and you're the God of the universe, I'd like to know what you think. I, I'm not necessarily gonna do it, but I'd like to get your thoughts. <laughs> See, he says, let not that man or woman expect anything being double-minded. That's what we get our word schizophrenic. Double-minded, unstable in all his or her ways. And so what I want you to know is that there is a promise if you don't know what to do with your life and you're in a bad spot and it's very specific. I have this picture, I know most of you don't write checks anymore so I'll have to come up with a better illustration someday, some way. But if you can picture the top line of a check, if God would show me specifically what to do, my marriage, my kids, my singleness, my finances, my geography, my location, you name my my attitude, my depression. I've got to know what to do. And if you'd think of signing the bottom of that check that says, whatever you show me, I'll do. That's the condition. God says 100% of the time, I'll show you. Quick personal illustration. I was learning this passage. Uh, early years, if you were here years ago, Teresa and I certainly had lots of ups and downs and struggles, both from alcoholic families. And no matter how hard I tried or she tried, it wasn't working and I was mad and blaming and she'd withdraw and I'd prance around quoting verses, <laughs> tell her <laughs> what she ought to do. And I prayed this prayer, God, I will do whatever you want me to do. This has to get solved. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, you need to go get counseling. Okay, uh, thank you for that suggestion. I didn't want to go to a Christian counselor. I'm in seminary, Lord. That would mean I have a real problem. That means I don't have it together and I'm embarrassed. Yes, Chip, I know you're proud. That's part of the big reason you have problems with your life. But I went and it changed the course of our life. When, when this launched, we, we didn't know what to do. It's not like we had the resources. 
And, and, but we said, God, what do you want us to do? And so we partnered with organizations all around the world. Movement Day and heads of all the denominations all around the world, key leaders around the world, and we invited them all in. Uh, we, we, we prayed a prayer and uh, ended up putting a million copies of that in China in the middle of the pandemic with training. See, if, if, if God can get you to just actually be willing to do whatever, he'll show you what to do. And then he usually doesn't bring in all the answers on the front end. You take this step. I mean, have you ever noticed all those Old Testament passages like you have to put your foot in the water before the water parts? A lot of that is God's calling for us today. So we have this attitude to embrace. We have this amazing resource to ask for. And the T is for a theology to grasp and it's an eternal perspective. I've taught the Bible uh, for a number of years and um, there's some passages that as I read them or studied them, it was like, Lord, I'm sure this makes sense, but it doesn't make any sense to me. And then usually a few years later, at some point the light comes on and this is one. I mean, cause doesn't this sound like you've been talking about trials and you talk, ask for wisdom. What's, but the brother of humble circumstances, by the way, humble means poor. This is, this is, a, this word has the idea of, um, you don't have a lot of money, but the brother of humble circumstances should glory in his high position. And the rich man should glory in his humiliation or literally his low position. Well, why? Because like the flowering grass, he'll pass away. For the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass and its flower falls off and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. And then he summarizes all 12 verses. Blessed is the man or the person who, here's our word, perseveres, hupomenos, under what? Trial. Well, why? For he, once he has been approved, you pass the test, he'll receive the crown, which is literally a quality of life, both now and forever, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. And if we had time, you notice at the bottom, the application, poor people have a gift and I've lived here. I've lived on both ends of this. When you are poor, you don't have to be told to trust God because you have no other option. Doesn't mean that all poor people will. But as we go around the world, or as some of you have lived maybe in, in the past or maybe now, and you think, I don't know how I'm gonna pay the rent. I don't know how I'm gonna buy food. You don't have to say, gosh, I wish I could work on my prayer life. You pray. The high spiritual position is when we don't have something, we recognize our need. The low spiritual position is when we're rich, we intellectually can say what we want, but you know what? If God doesn't show up, you got, you got food in the refrigerator, you got next, this month's bills paid. He says, when you're rich, you, you, you have a low position spiritually. You are not positioned to trust God. So you have to choose to trust God. And he, he reminds them, what you don't realize is that you think you've got it wired, but you're just like a flower. You're just like the grass. You're here today, gone tomorrow. Or as some of us experienced, your finances were like this pre-pandemic and now it's like this. These people were here with us pre-pandemic and now they're gone. What he's saying is there's a way to think 
And it counteracts the temptation to be discouraged. The principle for all of us is choosing to trust God in the most difficult, impossible circumstances and relationships. To actually depend on Jesus actively, moment by moment. And it may not sound fancy, but trusting God means I will endure, I'll be faithful, I'll be loyal until the test is over. And for some, the test is not over until you get to heaven. Do I understand it? I have no idea. But the promise is you will have all the grace you need to go through all the things. And there's this blessedness. I'd love to tell you that, you know, the last five years since I left Venture has been up and to the right. It's been one of the most difficult seasons of our life. Lots of unknowns, wonder what's gonna happen, floating around, wondering where and how do you fit in, how this is gonna happen, that's gonna happen. I mean, it's great to give a report now that so God ordained. But a lot of lonely walks and a lot of times waking up and it's 2.11, now it's 3.05, now it's 4.17, right? You guys know that one? Amen. Huh? And you get up and you say, what are you going to do? Not quit. And it's not just quitting externally. It's I refuse to blame. I refuse to bolt to anger. I refuse to medicate myself. God, whatever you want to do in me, then whatever you want to do through me, blessed. As I've had the chance to, to travel around the world, I can't even tell you what it's like to sit with pastors who were either going to kill themselves or give up the ministry and see what's happened in their life because of really what all of us were involved in for a season that launched us to do what God's called us to do right now. It's rich and it's wonderful and it's deep and it's blessed. Doesn't mean it's easy. And so as I've noted here, how do you hang tough in tough times? Get God's perspective on your circumstances and just write the word faith. God's in control. You can't solve it, I can't solve it. God, I want your perspective on my circumstances. Second, get God's perspective on your future. And write the word hope. You're his child. I mean, I know we all want to leverage now and be happy today and how I feel is how life is. That's a bunch of garbage. You have a hope. There's a heaven. He's prepared a place for you. You have hope today. If you're a follower, his spirit lives within you. You have his word to guide you. You have God's people to go through it together. And all around the world is very, very challenging. And we can do this. And the mission is not our happiness and everything works out. The mission is go into all the world and make disciples. The mission is love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. The mission is do it unto the least of these. It's the great commission, the great commandment, and the great compassion. And so I ask myself these questions. Is my faith in the things that are perishable or the things that are permanent? Circumstances perishable, permanent. Is my hope determined by the size of my problems or by the certainty of God's promises? Is my primary motivation to love Christ or simply experience relief? The most profound thing that came out of my experience in all of this was this. 
Suffering is a privilege and an opportunity to express my love for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a very un-American, very biblical concept for it has been granted to you, Paul would say at the end of Philippians 1, not only to believe in him, but a grace gift to suffer for him, to endure betrayal, injustice. And it is as you go through that trusting God, that God does something in you and through you that validates the power of the gospel and the message that Jesus came. There is a day coming and he's coming back. Uh, I have, uh, I I didn't have enough of these. I've got five of these. Some of you that might be in crisis, I'll hang down. I only have five, but I, uh, I brought them for someone that might be, or you know a friend who's ready to give up. Um, I brought five for each service. Uh, but they're, they're available on, on our app. I think they've got a little slide here where there's a little video. You can go through this or you can listen to it. It's all free. And I think um, Charlie was telling me that QR code, if you take a picture of that, I think it'll take you to uh, the website where you can download this stuff for free. Um, what I would tell you is this. Oh, by the way, don't, don't go on Amazon. It's $42 on Amazon, this tiny little book. Don't ask me why, I think scarcity or something. But um, I'd like to pray for you. Worship team's gonna come out. I'd like you to bow your head. Everything we've talked about is, it's not really hard to understand. It is very hard to apply. like you to bring to mind what is the circumstance or relationship that is the most challenging, difficult, impossible, that if there's anything you'd say, God, would you fix this or deliver me or help me? Let me give you a second, let's get real. Get it right in the front of your mind. Now, I'm not going to ask you to play some game, but are you willing to say, from this day forward, I'm going to learn and I may mess up, but I'm going to make a choice. My attitude is mine. No one can tell me how to think or feel. I'm going to choose to consider it all joy, knowing there's a big picture. And I may hate it, but you'll use it for good if I don't bail out. Can you take that step? Can you tell God that? And second, if you just, I don't know what to do, Chip. Thank you. I don't know what to do about. And you could just fill it in. Would you be willing in your seat to literally just put your palms up in front of you and say, Lord, I will, I'll receive whatever direction. I'm going to sit quietly. I'll talk to you later today. If you say relocate, I'll relocate. If you say stick in this, I'll stick in it. You say go get help, you tell me what to do. I'm committing in advance. I'll do it. And that may be a journey to get there, but when you do, he will show you. And finally, discouragement wants to take you under. 
Think theologically. Just three words, faith, hope, love. Faith, my God's in control. Hope, I am his child. Love, Lord Jesus, this is so painful, but I am going to suffer through this as my gift to you because you suffered for me. I want to experience the fellowship of your suffering. And then for many of you, you're gonna to need to have a brother or sister and get some help so you don't go through this alone. Let's stand together to worship. We hope today's message encouraged you in your journey of faith. To keep up with the latest messages and what's happening, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and visit venture.cc.